Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Thank you, Jesus. Well, let's hold our Bibles to heaven and say thank you, Father, for your holy written word. It's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your words are life to me and health to all of my flesh. I have what your word says I have. I am what your word says I am. I can do what your word says I can do. Holy Spirit, anoint my ears to hear, my heart to receive, and my mind to be open to the knowledge of the truth that makes me free. Quicken me according to the word. Change me from glory to glory. And I boldly say, I will never ever be the same again in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God for his holy written word. We're talking about the church that Christ built. Hallelujah. And in quick review, we're just going to throw some things up that we've talked about already. Number one, we talked about how the church is to have Christ in preeminence within the body. Is he Lord of all? Is he first and foremost? He sure is. Secondly, we said it's a word-based church. We preach and proclaim the truth of the word of God, not religious tradition, not traditions of men, but the word of the living God that's able to make us wise into salvation. And then it's a spirit-filled church. We don't have to define that this morning, do we? Praise God, a, a spirit-filled church where the Holy Ghost is allowed to usher, be ushered in, move and manifest himself in powerful and glorious ways, touching hearts, changing lives, meeting needs. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. But then we said it's a holy church, a church of purity. Hallelujah. He said, I'm holy, so be ye holy. But then also it is a praying church. My house shall be called a house of prayer, Jesus said, where we come together, gather together, whether it's collectively, individually, it's a praying church. We believe in contacting heaven. Amen. And then also it is a worshiping church. This morning, we didn't just sing songs this morning. We worshiped the Lord. Hallelujah. We worshiped. Anybody can sing a song. But worship comes from your toes, rises up out of your belly. It flows out of your mouth. You're so grateful, so thankful to God for who he is and what he's done for you. You can't help but to bow before him. Hallelujah. And worship him and honor him. Jesus said those that worship the Father are those that worship in spirit and in truth. And the Father seeks such to worship him. Amen. Not with just a song. Praise God. But the anointing of God upon the worship ministry this morning was powerful. Amen. And wonderful. Praise God Almighty. But then we said it is a soul winning church. A church that believes in winning souls. And not taking for granted that everyone who sits in the pew is saved. We're a soul winning church. And believing whoever comes in, praise God. We want to give them an invitation to accept Christ into their hearts. And make him Lord of their lives. And it's not just within the body, but as the body goes out, you're still the body of Christ. And you are a soul winner, crossing paths with those who might be nearest eternity, even today, praise God. And you lead them to his saving grace. You lead them to the precious cross of Jesus Christ. Now, as we continue our study, we want to emphasize that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is a church that promotes unity. A church that promotes unity. 
I could have said unified. But sometimes I think we misunderstand. Because you see, people can be united, but not in unity. Ask any married couple. Let that sink into your ears. They can be united in matrimony, but not every day they might be in unity. You take two cats, tie their tails together. I'd never do that, but I guarantee you they're, they're united, but I also guarantee you they're not in unity. Amen? Can you imagine what that would be like? Think about it. So when we talk about unity, look at what the Apostle Paul said, Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 1, first three verses. I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy. In other words, a commendable way. You walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. In the first three chapters, he talked about your position in Christ. And then he prayed for the people. And he said he wants them filled with the fullness of God. So that God can do exceeding abundantly above all they ask or think, right? So in the first three uh, chapters, he's talking about their position. But now he begins to talk about practical application. And he says, each one is to walk how? Worthy. In a commendable way. Okay, well how? With all loneliness and meekness and long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. You realize when we endeavor to keep unity, we are walking worthy of our Lord. When we're walking in humility, when we're walking in uh, submissiveness, when we're walking in patience, and we're forbearing one another, we're promoting unity within the body, and he says that is the mandate. He starts with that when he talks about practical ap application of your position in Christ. We're all mandated by God to do what? These things right here and see to it that we promote unity within the body. So we've come together. We're here as one. But we want to also see to it that we promote unity among each other. So that the body of Christ can flourish. Now if we want to succeed in a, as a church in carrying out the purpose of God's be, being, for us being a church, whether it's your marriage, whether it's your family, whether it's your church or your enterprise or whatever it might be, nothing is more important than having people on the same page, walking with the same mind, speaking the same thing, and walking in unity one with the other. Nothing is more important than that. It's important enough that Jesus made it a part of his intercessory prayer as high priest over the church. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But I want you to see something. The importance of unity within the body of Christ. Also, like I said, you could apply it to your marriage. You can apply it to your family. You can apply it to your workplace, your business, your enterprise, or whatever. But as you look at these verses of scripture, you'll see the importance of unity. Number one, it is so important that we walk in unity that it becomes easier to, let's say, achieve our goals and dreams, to have them fulfilled. In the book of Genesis chapter 11 and verse 6, this is when they began building that, uh, the Tower of Babel. And you recall the story? And God looked down upon the circle of the earth and he saw what man was doing. Here's what he said. And the Lord said, behold, the people is one and they have all one language. And this they begin to do. And now nothing, everybody say nothing. Nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. 
So they all got together. They all came up with a plan. They had the vision and they cast the vision among the people and they all got a hold of it. And when they did, they began to set out to do it. And God said, look, they're one. They're minding the same thing, speaking the same thing, doing the same thing. They're in unity with each other and nothing, nothing will be restrained from what they set out to do. So when it comes to a marriage, when it comes to your family, when it comes to uh, your, your sports team, when it comes to your enterprise, whatever it might be, when the people are coming together on the same page, doing the same thing, minding the same thing, speaking the same thing, it makes it a whole lot easier to achieve the goals and fulfill their hopes and dreams. Number two, it also makes a powerful highway for God to move among the people. And look at the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. It came to pass as the trumpeters and the singers were complaining and divisive. No, they were one. Now, I'll tell you what. I've played in bands. I'm a musician. I've played in bands. It's not easy to keep people in unity. You realize that. Not an easy thing when it comes to trumpeters and and everybody else in, in, in musical groups. But it's so important as they were one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. When they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord saying for he is good and is for his mercy endureth forever that then 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 what? The house was filled with the cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priest could not stand to minister for by reason of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. When did the glory of the Lord fill the house of God? When they were all one. They were sanctified, set apart. They were purified in their hearts, holy. And now they are what? In, in unity with each other. You could say unified there. They were in unity with each other. And they had one thing on their mind. That together they would in harmony lift up their voice, their instruments of music, and just make one sound. It didn't matter who was heard. As long as there was one sound, a harmonious sound, praise God, that ministered to the Lord. And it wasn't a profound song that they sang. For the Lord is good and his mercies endure forever. And what happened? The place was filled with the cloud. The glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. And so when people, even in their marriage, and they come together. Yes, they come from different backgrounds, different genders, obviously. And they come from, you know, different family history and that sort of thing. And they bring it together. And as long as he wants his way and she wants her way. And you do it, this is how we do it. And this is how we do it. And you try to blend those two together. Unless they're willing to do what? come together and see to it that they promote unity within their relationship, it'll make it very difficult for them to achieve success. But when they come together and say, I'm willing to set aside this or set aside that and cooperate with you and work together with you to see that we can blend our lives together under the hand of Almighty God so that He will take the reins over our marriage. You see, if they'll do that, what are you going to have? You're going to have the glory of God. The power of God manifestation. Number three, it also creates of force the enemy cannot penetrate in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 12 and if one prevail against him two shall withstand him and a threefold cord is not quickly or easily broken you can say it like this one standing alone can be easily defeated but two can stand back to back and overcome and a threefold cord is not easily broken. In marriage ceremonies today many people are, are instead of doing the unity candle they're doing the unity braid 
And the unity braid is a, a three, there's three braids that they braid together, three ropes that they braid together. One stands for God the Father, the other, or for actually the Godhead. The other one stands for the husband, the other one stands for the wife. And they get it and they braid it. And when they braid it together, it creates a stronger, stronger force that cannot be broken. And so when people, marriages come together and they put God first and foremost in their relationship and then they bind themselves together with the hand of God and are submitted to the way of God in marriage. The husband loves his wife as Christ loved the church. She submits herself to him as the head of the union honoring him in that position and they vow to love each other until death do they part and they give up their rights to say I don't love you anymore because they forfeited that when they entered the blood covenant relationship of marriage and they recognize and they realize that anything and everything against that relationship is on the outside that cannot penetrate the enemy cannot penetrate that kind of a relationship the same thing is true within any church the body of Christ when we gather together and we say I don't want what I want and you don't want what you want we want what God Almighty wants and we braid ourselves together in unity with the hand of Almighty God guess what God will show up on the scene and the enemy cannot penetrate the force that's created by it and then number four as I said earlier it's what Jesus prayed for this is what Jesus prayed for. Unity is so important. Look at John's gospel, chapter 17 in his high priestly prayer, verse 20 and 21. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. You realize he's praying for you and me right there? What are you praying for, Lord? He could have prayed for many things right here. That they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Praise God. What a prayer. Do you hear what he's saying? We can understand he's in the Father and the Father's in him, but he wants us to be in them as they are in us. He wants us to walk in that kind of understanding of unity. We belong, praise God, with God. We are in him and he is in us. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. And we are in him and in him we live, move, and have our being. And so he prayed for this. This is how important this is. He didn't want us to come together and be divisive. He wants us to come together and live together in harmonious love with each other. And put even others above ourselves. Why? To promote his presence and power every time we gather together. Also, next, it is something that is good. Unity is something that is good. It's something that God also blesses and anoints. Look in the book of Psalms 133 and verses 1 through 3. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Hallelujah. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down the, upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments as the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there, everybody say there. There the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Praise God. So it's good for people to dwell together in unity. It's something that God anoints. It's something that God blesses. And so praise God when we make a decision to say we're coming together in unity. It doesn't mean I'm always going to have my way. It doesn't mean you're always going to have your way. It means that we are setting aside our way for God's way. We're all setting aside our way for God's way. Praise God. And if we'll do that and just say God we want what you want. We want to do what you want us to do. We want to have what you want us to have. We want to speak the way you want us to speak. We want to think the way you want us to think. 
Look, if the government control, can control your thinking, even under armed forces, by making you think the way they want you to think and reprogram you to think the way that they want you to think and say, you can't go against this, otherwise you're out. How much more should we be able to say to the God of all glory, our creator, savior, redeemer, healer, baptizer with the Holy Ghost and fire, how much more should we say to him, I want you to renew my mind, I can change my way of thinking because my way of thinking is corrupt. It's far beneath yours, Lord. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Your ways are higher than my ways. I submit my way and my thought to you. I want you to govern my life. I want to be transformed by the renewing of my mind so I can prove what is your good, acceptable, and perfect will in my life. I don't want to be limited by what I think. What about you? And then next, it's the way Jesus thought. It reflects the mind of Christ. It reflects his mind. In the book of Philippians chapter 2 in verse 1. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. How are we doing at that? Look, not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you. You have to let it. We have to allow it. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What's he speaking here? What's Paul saying to this church? If you want the mind of Christ, you've got to walk in humility. You've got to walk in submission. You've got to walk in patience and be forbearing. You have to esteem others even better than yourself. And you have to recognize that this is the way Jesus thought. And we have to change the way we think and line up with the way he thinks. Amen. That's what he wants us all to do. And that's going to promote what? Unity among the people. We'll be united together as one in him. Well, what are the things that they say promote unity? Let's talk about that just for a moment. What promotes unity? Now, your first line there, you're going to have to have a correction made. You should put disunity. Understanding what promotes disunity, that should be there. Not unity. The second one is okay, but the first one, what is it that promotes disunity? Well, in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the apostle Paul taught along that line as well. And I, brethren, could not speak as unto you as, as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. Why? I fed you with milk and not meat. Why? Hitherto you were not able to bear it. Neither yet now are you able. For you are yet carnal. For whereas, look, notice this, there is among you envying, strife, and divisions. Are you not carnal and walk as men? For one while one saith, I am of Paul, another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom you believe, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. One plants, one waters, but if God didn't give the increase, nobody would benefit by it. 
So you know what? We can't take credit for anything, can we? Not, nothing at all. One sows the seed in a person's life. Another one comes along and waters the seed. But thank God for the power of the Holy Spirit that draws people, that opens up people's eyes. God gives the increase. Hallelujah. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. In the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 2, carnality will destroy unity in a heartbeat. People full of envy and division and strife. People wanting their way, doing it their own way and not submitting to the will and way of God. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to cheat, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. What's he saying here? He's telling us, he's giving us a mathematical equation. He's actually telling us that if we allow strife and add to that division, it equals captivity. Think about that. People want to know why they're taken captive. If there's strife and division, add those two together, they're taken captive by Satan at his will. Who wants to be at the disposal of the enemy? I'm one that never believed that there should be strife among the body of Christ. If you have a different perspective, you have a different view, it's okay for you to disagree, but don't be disagreeable. You understand that? Same thing in marriage, same thing in family. You may see it one way, see a little bit different the other way, the other one, but don't get into strife and division. Why? Because you are an open prey to spiritual captivity and that at Satan's will. In other words, you're giving him access. You're allowing it to happen. And we don't want that. We don't want to disrupt unity. We want to be in unity with each other. And even though, once again, there's some things we may differ on, but that's okay. But don't be a, one who sows discord among brethren. You know why? It's one thing that God absolutely hates. If we sow discord among the brethren, God says he hates it. Who wants to be involved in something God hates? We shouldn't want to be involved in something God hates, should we? So sowing discord among the brethren is not a good thing to do. It's okay to have your own opinion and your own thoughts. Make sure yours line up with the word of God. That's what we all should do. But sometimes it takes time for people to think things through and see it clearly. You know, God opens up our eyes and we need that. We all should want that. But you know what? You gotta be sincere about it. You can't just sit back and just say, but this is the way I see it. This is the way. Don't do that. Go to God. Go to the throne and just say, Father, I want to see it the way you see it. Open up the eyes of my understanding. Help me to see it. I'll give you an example. This is a scriptural one, a biblical one. There are those that say, you as a Christian, you have no right to commission angels to do anything. Really? Why, why does the scripture say they're all ministering spirits and forth the minister for those who are the heirs of salvation? So in other words, if you don't give voice to the word of God because they hearken to the voice of his word and never say, angels of God, I commissioned you to do something, they might just sit back and just watch you and do nothing. Now there's those that say, who do you think you are that you can do something like that? I don't believe that at all. You can't do that. You're entitled to that opinion. I'm not going to put you down and don't you put me down. But I'll tell you this, I've done it and it works. 
I've done it on numerous occasions and it works. So it's okay to have a different opinion. But don't use that as a platform for strife. And bring division among the people. Okay. As to actually what you, we all should do. Lord if I'm wrong here open up my eyes. Help me to see it. I want to see it more clearly. Amen. Praise God. I'll be honest with you. I've talked with people about different subjects. Bible subjects. And they didn't even go to the word of God to form their opinion. You realize that? And I sat down and talked with them. I just said well don't you know what the Bible says about that? I said oh not really. It's just how I feel. Well it's not about how you feel. It's not about how I feel. It's about what God says. And guess what? If God says it's wrong. It's wrong. Are we all in agreement with that? Amen. And then also understanding what promotes unity. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10. It says, now I beseech you brethren by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Don't run by that too quickly. How's he saying this? By the authority of the name of Jesus Christ. That you all speak the same thing. That there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Wow. That we speak the same thing, mind the same thing, and judge the same way. That's powerful. How can you do that? By getting our minds renewed to the word of God. Only finding out what God says, what his perspective is. And saying what God, do you remember what Jesus said? I only say what my father tells me to say. I only do what my father tells me to do. So everything you see, hear me say and see me do, it came straight from my father. Why? Because I'm one with him. And I'm not deviating from that. And God wants us to be the same way. Find out what the word of God says. You know, my feelings and emotions may tell me this one thing, but you know what? If God says it's, it's different than that, then I got to go by what God says. And I have to honor his word. And we can take that to many levels, but not this morning. And then also, go on, uh, look at Ephesians chapter 4, because this is where we began. But I want you to see this. Because not only did he tell us to walk in unity and promote unity, to walk worthy of our calling, which involves promoting unity among the body of Christ, he tells us how. He tells us exactly how. Look at the, we'll start again and read right on through verse 6. I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called with all lowliness, uh, of m- lowliness and meekness and longsuffering forbearing one another in love endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body. I want you to hear all the ones. Because what is unity? Being one. There's one body. One spirit. One hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Notice how it applies to every single one of us. So let's start at the top. There is one body. The body is made up of Jews and Gentiles. Why is he emphasizing that? Because the Jews want to do their own thing and the Gentiles were going in this direction. Remember the Jews were trying to say, well you're, you're a Christian now but you've got to add the law. You've got to add this, 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 this to it. He says, no, 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 there's not two bodies. There's only one body. There's only one body of Christ made up of Jews and Gentiles that have come together to become one. Okay, so there's only one body. And then there's only one spirit. The Holy Spirit who animates the body. 
Do you realize what we saw here this morning was the Holy Spirit animating the body? The Spirit of God moving upon our hearts and upon our minds through worship. We saw the Spirit of God, and this has been our prayer. Our prayer has been that God would show up every time we gather together. That God would bow the heavens under the earth and show himself strong. And that God would make his ways known among the people. And that we would be in submission to what his will is, what his ways are, and what, what he desires for us as a body of believers and also as individuals. Take this concept, like I said, bring it to your marriage. If, if guys, if husbands would see to it that they get their minds renewed to the word of God and they begin to be the person that God wants them to be and treat the wife the way God wants them to and she responds to that, you've got yourself a wonderful package deal. You've got the power of God. You've got each other bringing in their thoughts and their, their desires and their lives and just joining forces together with one another with one goal in mind is to glorify God in their marriage. And I'll tell you what, you get two people to do that, you've got a power-packed marital relationship and you've got something that God could use to bring children in the world that will honor and glorify him. And young people out there, if you have been born into a Christian family where your father and your mother are Christians and they have taken you or led you down the right path and you've made Jesus Christ Lord of your life, I want you to know something. You better shout from the mountaintops because there's a world out there that hates you, a devil out there that wants to destroy you, kill you, take from you, steal from you. And take you down a road that he's on. He's on a road to eternal destruction. Think about this, for example, the individual, Lochte. Think about this. We all watched him win the gold medal. Everybody's excited and praising, you know, how they do. And just having a wonderful time. And then he goes and does something so ridiculous that he loses all his endorsements. He forfeits millions of dollars for one night of drunkenness. Was it worth it? Oh, but you see, the devil will come along and just say, it's okay. You, you deserve this. Don't do what the devil tells you you deserve. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Wouldn't have been a whole different scenario if you just saw these guys just get on their faces and on their knees and say, thank you for the ability that you've given me and the platform. One thing I appreciate about my son Dante here, with all the athletic skills and abilities that God has imparted to him, you know what he said he wants to do? He wants to use whatever God has gifted him with to have a platform to minister for Jesus. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. And it should be about that with all of us. Praise God. All of us. Whatever talents, gifts, abilities that you've imparted in my life, I want to use them to glorify you and represent you well and, and honor Jesus for he, what he did for me, a sacrifice. Okay. One hope. Number three. One hope. We have one hope, and this one hope of our calling, and what is that hope? Do you echo this sentiment with me this morning? My hope is the glorification that I'll experience eternally in Christ. If you have this hope, you will do what does the Bible say? Purify yourself even as he is pure. The blessed hope that we have is the day when each and every one of us is glorified. When each and every one of us receives our glorified bodies. 
we're caught up in the air we meet Jesus in the sky our bodies praise God if we're gone come out of the grave and reunite with our spirit and soul and we've got eternal glorification if you think wearing a gold medal around your neck is wonderful wait till you hear those words well done thou good and faithful servant enter to the joy of the Lord your rewards have followed you in and I'm going to crown you with the crown of righteousness and crown you with the crown of life I'm going to give you everything you deserve for honoring me and living for me on this planet so no matter what this world has to offer no matter what people want to say about you if they want to put a fence around this world and say it's all yours if you'll just serve me be like Moses I'm not giving up the glory of God to, to, to perform sin for a season I'm going to honor God I've got a blessed hope and my hope is one day just as this whole earth is going to be what delivered from the from the uh, curse I'm going to experience this glorified body and no longer live under the curse of any sickness or any disease or any aging process can you say amen, amen. Arthur will be gone forever. Arthur Ritus is his last name. Ritus is his last name. Arthur is his first name. No longer. Arthur or Ritus, praise God. Can you say amen? amen? All right. So you've got a hope. There's only one hope. There's only one Lord. And what is his name? Oh, wouldn't you love to have a platform like these people do on television? And they say, oh, you know what? I used to believe that, that, that Jesus was the only way. But now I know that there are many other ways that lead to God. You can come down this path, that path, that path, the other path. You know what I say about that? That new age and all that stuff that's out there. It's nothing but a, a bunch of bunk and baloney. It's nothing there's nothing to it whatsoever there's only one who's qualified to say I am the way the truth and the life and no man comes to the father but by me and that's the one that arose from the dead on the third day and showed himself alive and cooked fish Jesus amen he's Lord of all praise God there's no other way and there's only one faith one belief system Oh my goodness, we could really meddle right here and right there. Only one belief system, only one. Jesus said you must be born again. This defines and outlines our belief system. It's what we are to embrace, it's what we are to believe. And you know what, we've got common ground. While there are others that are out there thinking that they can somehow make heaven some other way, I don't know. Do you realize the Jews were split on whether or not there was a resurrection. You realize the Sadducees were sad you see because they didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. You realize they believed that when you died you went back to the dust of the earth and that's all there was to it. Talking about Jews, Sadducees, but the Pharisees believed in the resurrection. And do you recall when they went to Jesus and said, this guy was, this woman was married to that guy and then he died. And then she married the brother and he died. And then she married a pretty busy woman. Then married the, the next brother, about five brothers, right? Married all these brothers. And of course, the ultimate question was, well now whose wife is she when they get on the other side? Jesus said, you don't marry in heaven, number one. But secondly, you don't know the Bible. You don't know the power of God and you do not know the word of God. Because what you're asking me is about life after death. And let me tell you something right now. God's the God of the living, not the God of the dead. Yeah. Hallelujah. Is our God alive? Yeah. Are those in Him alive? Yeah. Hallelujah. Praise God. One belief system. And it comes from the throne of God. It comes through the lips of Jesus. Who in times past we are told God spoke to us by the prophets of the fathers. But in the last days he spoke to us by his son, Jesus Christ, who upholds all things by the word of his power. You talk about credentials? Doesn't matter to me what anybody else has to say. 
doesn't matter to me what Confucius has to say or any other supposed religious leader. What matters is what thus saith the Lord. What does God have to say on the subject? There's only one faith. And then he said there's only one baptism. Only one baptism. We've been baptized into the body of Christ. And that's the only baptism that there is. By the Spirit. Now there's three different baptisms. We understand reason in Scripture and even other ones. But we're talking about the main baptism. is baptized into the body of Christ. By the Spirit of Almighty God. Why? So you can have your place in the kingdom of God. Now this is my firm conviction and belief. But uh, you may vary on it. But that's okay. Let's not be divisive or be disagreeable. I believe everyone's born into the world. Your name's already in the Lamb's book of life. When you're born into the world. Your name is there. Would you want to be born without a name? Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life the moment you were born. Why do you think ever Moses would say like, well don't take my name out, don't take my name out, don't take, and remember, your name will be removed in, in the book of Revelation, your name will be removed. You see, the name is removed, I believe after people have spoken to you, the Holy Ghost has convicted you, and time and time again people have tried to get you to come to Christ and accept him as Savior and Lord of your life. And finally you get to a place where the Holy Spirit won't strive with the person forever. And, and that person just will not, will not, is stubborn, stiff-necked, absolutely will not give his or her heart to Jesus. And the moment it's over, that you can't do it any longer, your name is plucked out of the book of life. You want to know why? Because Jesus died for everybody. And Jesus made a way for everybody. And it was proven because it was there at one time. But because they said no, and you can say no if you want to, it was removed. It was blotted out of the book of life. That's not what I want. So it wasn't put in there. It's like some people think when I just got saved. Oh, it was there from the beginning. But once again, after you said no, 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 no. Okay, one baptism into the Trinity, and then one God. One God. One God. There's not more than one. There's the three in one. But he is the one who is eternal from everlasting to everlasting. He is the ancient of days, praise God. He's the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. He is Al Shaddai, the God of plenty who's more than enough. He's Jehovah God, the covenant keeping God who keeps covenant with them to love them to a thousand generations. He's the one who doesn't want you to sacrifice your children for him. He wants to sacrifice his child for you to let you know how much he loves you and cares about you and he did that for you. And if there's anything in this world that should command our, our allegiance to him, he gave himself completely. He poured himself out completely. He laid it all on the line for us. He suffered the consequences of our sin and, tre and treason. He paid the penalty of our suffering, our judgment. It was all placed upon Jesus, which was his son. I would rather go than have one of my sons go. I'd rather suffer than have one of my sons suffer. That's what I would rather do. But God says, I'm going to take it to the next level. My son will die for you to let you know how much I love you, how much I care about you. I will sacrifice his life for you so I can have more sons and and more daughters, praise God. And he did that for us. If that doesn't command my allegiance, what does? If that doesn't command us that we come together in unity and say, praise God Almighty. Let's see to it that we do everything we possibly can to honor him. Walk worthy of our calling. Be humble. Be submissive. Be patient with each other. And forbearing one another. You know, we're all in the process of growing, aren't we? Let's be forbearing, with, forgive one another. Because you know why? We all need it ourselves. Don't we all? 
Praise God. Now let's bring up a subject that will create a lot of disunity among us. Politics. <laughs> Politics. Let's just agree to be, <laughs> not be disagreeable. Okay. I'm just kidding about that. But I do encourage you this. Can I make an encouragement? And will you respond in an honest way? This election is not about Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump. That's not who you're voting for. Okay, so let's get beyond that. Let's get beyond all the mudslinging, the name calling, which I think is a disgrace. Don't all of you? It's a disgrace. Because you see, that's the diversion. Let's look behind the scenes and let's find out the agenda. Truly do your homework and find out the party platform. Okay? And when you discover the platform and understand what it stands for and what the attempt is, what they want to achieve, then ask yourself the question, first of all, can I agree with that? And then secondly, first and foremost, God, is that what you want? So, if you know that there's an agenda to get prayer back in school, God back in government, Merry Christmas back in a store, destroy abortion and say no longer will we tolerate it. And the list goes on and on. You make up your mind that way. But if you think you're voting for just these people, these two individuals up here, then you're really being deluded by that. Because that's not what you're voting for. You're voting for a platform. And you're putting your stamp of approval on it. So all I'm encouraging you to do, and we'll provide you some materials, you look up your party's agenda and platform, then ask yourself the question, wow, what am I going to vote for? Can you say amen? amen? All right, so God wants us to walk in unity. And even if you disagree, you can just say, praise God, but I'm not going to be disagreeable. So let's close it by last, lastly understanding everyone is gifted and no one can say, I don't need you. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and beginning at verse 12. For as the body is one, is your body one? And as many members and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into the one spirit, for the body is not one member but many. If the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? No. If the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? No. If the whole body were an eye, then where's the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where's the smelling? But now has God set members, every one of them in the body, as it had pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are there many members, but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of thee. And again, the head cannot say to the feet, I have no need of you. Can we continue on that? I cannot, the head cannot say to the feet. Who's the head? He's the head who can't say to the foot. 
So if the foot is the lowest member in the body of Christ, the head Christ can say to the foot, I have no need of you. Do you ever hear people that end up getting a, a divorce? I don't need you anymore. An attitude that says, I don't need you anymore. I want you to know something. He needs every single one of us. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of thee. I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet. I have no need of you. But nay, much more, those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness, for our comely parts have no need. But God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that uh, part which lacked, that there should be no what? No schism, no division in the body. So what promotes unity? I need you. You need me. We need each other. That, produce, pr- that produces unity. I, but you see, there's this mentality that the enemy will produce in people's lives. We don't really need that. You don't need that. Yes, we do. We need the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher. We need those with motivational gifts, those with spiritual gifts. We need, and each one has a different gift. Everyone is gifted and everyone is needed. And what God wants is for us to all recognize that just like your body. Anybody here want to cut off your finger? No. Your foot? No. We all need each other because we are all unique in Christ and God has what? Placed within us gifts, talents, and abilities to be used to honor Him. And so when we understand that, so think about it. If you're saying, I'm going to stay home from church today. You know what you're doing? You're leaving part of your body behind. I'm going to leave my hand at home and I'm going to go to church. Bring your gift. Bring your talent. Bring your ability. And come and worship together. We saw that this morning. Amen. Let's all stand together before the Lord. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound, and through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence to God first and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you and God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child, 
in Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.